Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm Bills defensive end Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. We are joined again by BuffaloRumblings.com staff writer Sean Murphy to discuss more training camp topics. So, so you do, uh, among other things that you write for the site, you do 90 players in 90 days. We talked about probably, you know, 20, 30 players at least so far. Um, big names, you know, I didn't talk about Von Miller. wasn't a whole lot to, I, to see with Von Miller just, just as of yet. Um, we've been talking for an hour, and we didn't mention the one guy who, like, if you look at the roster and said, hey, if they retired tomorrow, who would be on, in the Hall of Fame? Oh yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, we did for that, but that's how good this team is too. That we're, we're sitting here talking about all these other guys, and it's like, oh yeah, and they went out and signed the. Uh, the I mean, it's the biggest free agent signing that they've had since Mario Williams, mm-hmm. and it's it's. I mean, the guy is the best pass rusher that they've had lining up, really since '78 was roaming there. So it's it's yeah. So we didn't even talk about Von Miller, which is awesome. Do you think that I was talking with my friend uh, at camp about this? We're sitting there, we're talking about Von Miller. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, everyone was so excited to see Von Miller, of course. You know, he's one of those guys that immediately gets a round of applause as he comes out of the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Um, he, him coming to Buffalo is one of the biggest signs of this entire regime that we all know. We all knew was was talented. We all know has has a lot of uh, has good coaching, good players in it. He was the first evidence that we really had of like people think the Bills are legit because he could have yep. gone so many different places or stayed with, especially not only gone so many different places. Like when Mario Williams came to Buffalo, he got the highest pay contract. You know, he was he was going from a place where they didn't want him back. To be quite honest, they they were saying, you know, right. you go go go. He was kind of surprised at that, and they're like, oh, you know, you go enjoy, you know, free agency. Um, with Von Miller, he could have stayed in L.A. where he just won a Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. he decided to come to Buffalo. Like he he, if not for that, like can't you just see this this becoming a domino effect where in the future the bills will be able to get free agents on cheaper deals because they they're going to be like well Vaughn signed here like i mean maybe good contracts but not top i mean to to lure mario williams they had to give him the biggest contract in nfl history for a defensive player right. like they 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 won't have to do that from now on with you know just because Vaughn came here well yeah and and especially if it works a for Vaughn but b for the rest of the team if what they think they're capable of doing and and the reason Miller didn't sign with Buffalo because it it was the highest money they didn't sign with him just because of that I think that it was up there but he he signed here because he was like yeah they can win 
and I'm I'm the last piece. So now now we're going to get there and we're going to win the whole damn thing. And like you said, he could have just stayed in L.A. and just run it back with the same group of guys and gone out there and, and tried to defend it. But he wanted to go and he wanted to, to go to a place and say, yeah, now we're going to do it. So now maybe other guys sit there and do the exact same thing and say, <laughs> yeah, Buffalo's that's the destination. That's where we want to go. Like we think that we got a shot at winning a ring. Let's let's go up there. And the fact yeah. that we're able to say this and it's not some crazy dream or we're not playing our own Madden franchise in mom's basement is is a really cool thing to be able to talk about after, you know, 18 years in the NFL wilderness without a playoff berth. So this this is really nice to be at this phase where it's it's not a rebuild anymore. It's a let's go win it at this point. Absolutely. I mean, you think about if the Bills had had, because you just think about like where they left off last season, how they lost, um, you know, when they lost. And if they had, first of all, if they had Tredavious pissed off. Yeah. (laughs) See like random highlights. You know what? Uh, because because I get really mad when I see it like it'll come up on the Twitter feed and I'll I'll look at it and I'll go oh it's the greatest game in NFL history yeah except you we lost <laughs> and I, I get all angry angry about it but yeah so I'm sorry I cut you off but I still get I still get pissed I I still get pissed because it was such a good game but some people have the opinion like the Bills would have won the Super Bowl and I I. I just personally can't let myself think that because I'll just be depressed. I'll be in an upper, utter depression the entire time. So I know. it sucked. It sucked that the Bills <laughs> lost. Um, you know, at least the Chiefs didn't win it all because that would piss me off even more. Um, but yep. likewise, but I think about that and I'm like, you know, you you were just talking about Von Miller. If the Bills have Tre'Davious White. I think they win that game against the Chiefs. Um, but now imagine oh, this yeah. this season. They play that same that same game against that same team. First of all, the Chiefs are minus Tyree Kill, and then second of all, the Bills have Von Miller uh-huh. and hopefully a healthy Tre'Davious White. Like that 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 game is that game's a blowout by the Bills. Maybe not a blowout. Okay, that's going too far. But well, they yeah. win that game for sure. It, it, yeah, and 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 the other thing too, like that's that's low key huge here is that you have Von Miller who now commands the double team. You don't have a mediocre one tech on that defensive line like a Harrison Phillips or a Star Latulale. You have Daquan Jones. So who's the guy that benefits along the line? It's Ed Oliver, or baby. Ed, Ed Oliver gets to go eat right up the middle with Miller on his side, with Groot on the other side, with Boogie Basham rotating in, and you don't have... uh Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace chasing around Kansas City's receivers. You have a freak athlete in Kyer Elam doing it too. So it's you're you're talking a lot of sense here in that if they if they see the same team in the same spot in the playoffs, I mean this is why they play the games. It's not one on paper, but on paper this team is is, is the better team. I think. Yeah, I mean, just along the defensive line, I was talking with uh, Jeff Kontrowski, Scarecrow, last week, and we were talking about, you know, the 
Tim Settle Jr. And he was like, Tim Settle Jr. had a great game against Mitch Morris, who is a very good center. He's like, imagine, I mean, just think, you know, you have Von Miller on one side, Groot on the other side. And then in the middle, you have Ed Oliver, who hopefully, you know, won't, won't get a double team. But then you also have maybe Tim Settle Jr. is in for those pass rushing downs. You know, I mean, yep. could you see, could yes. you see that yeah. being a possible formation? Oh, yeah. No, they're, they have, one of the things that is great about the McDermott and, and Leslie Frazier defense is how much rotation happens up along the front. Uh, if you're looking for a guy to get 10, 12 sacks in a season, you're probably going to be disappointed just because a lot of these guys rotate out so often that they're not. But you have so many combos where, I mean, let's assume that you start a game with Groot on the left side, Jones, and then Oliver and Miller, and then your sub package is Basham and Settle and uh, Jordan Phillips, who we haven't mentioned, old friend <laughs> alert, mm-hmm. and AJ Epinesa, or even Shaq Lawson gets thrown in there. I think Shaq Lawson is going to be the the Trent Murphy guy. The he's on the roster, but he's inactive on game days. But that's that's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. but you've got an, an eight nine person rotation there where they're all legitimate. NFL players. I mean, there's obviously a huge drop off from Miller to Epinesa, uh, or from Miller to Basham, or even from Miller to, to Russo, as good as Miller is. But but along that interior too, you've you've got eight nine guys who could really harass an offensive line, which hopefully frees up uh, everybody's favorite player to hate, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, or, or Matt Milano in the back. I don't, I don't get the hate for Edmonds personally. I don't, I don't know where you stand on him. I, I think that Edmonds, I'm in the camp where Edmonds does more good things for this defense than he does bad things. And I think that we notice the bad things that he does so much because he's asked to do so much on the defense where when he makes a mistake, it's, it's big, but that's that's my thought. What do you think about him? So, I mean, I just watch it live. I, I don't really rewatch the games or do any all two all twenty. I don't say I never do that. I shouldn't say I don't really do that. I never do that. So, when I look I, at it, I'm, yeah, I never do the all twenty two either. I'm not going to lie to you, but I I will watch it from broadcast angles. So there are probably people with greater football minds than I who who could have this discussion. But I'm still interested in what you think so when i see tremaine Edmonds um playing so i asked scarecrow about this last week you know with 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 narratives that like bill's mafia and he brought up tremaine Edmonds. um you know anthony from cover one brought up tremaine Edmonds is like they all think he's good players what what i see i guess just in real time is if it appears like he's just missing the wrong gaps or the running back goes in to the place that he's not and then they pull off a big gain and i only notice it on big plays and but from what you i mean you alluded to it what he's being asked to do and the defensive line that's been put in front of him like i feel like this year he just doesn't have any excuses for that and i think so i think it's a number of different things i think it's the live plays i think number two is that like um and and jeff mentioned this last week is that he'll have a good play on second down and you're just like that was an amazing player. You stuffed it, but then on third down there will be like the Bills will give up the third down, and you completely just kind of forget yep. about it because you know it, either to his fault maybe he missed in pass coverage or somebody else's fault. Like you kind of forget that first or second down play because it didn't happen on third down. Whereas you, whereas the other, the third reason why 
people I don't think Tremaine Edmonds gets enough credit is because Matt Milano is so freaking good. Like people expect yes. that out of Tremaine Edmonds, and he's not asked to do as much as Tremaine Edmonds, but he's so damn good at what he does. Like you look at that and you're like, well, obviously Matt Milano and Matt Milano's I I love Matt Milano. He's one of my favorite players. Um, but Tremaine Edmonds doesn't flash like Matt Milano flashes, if that makes sense. No, it does. And and now do you think I, I feel like sometimes some of it is because Edmonds was drafted 16th overall mm. and they traded up to get him, whereas Milano was taken in the fifth round, undersized, nobody thought much, uh, maybe he'd be a sub-package linebacker and or a special teamer, and he's developed into what he's developed into. So I wonder how much of their their draft pedigree kind of carries them around and almost like... I don't want to say that the expectations for Edmonds are unrealistic because I don't think it's unrealistic uh, of fans to expect a guy who's 6'4 and 250 pounds and an elite level physical athlete to to be more consistently. But I, I wonder how much of it affects how people view what he does uh, on the play to play. You know that you brought up a great point. I think that draft capital that you've spent on a player i think that matters maybe more than really it should or even the expectation of what kind of player you're going to get you know we mentioned ed oliver people were you know comparing him to aaron donald coming on that's not a fair comparison because aaron donald is one of the best players in nfl history you know um so that's that's not fair and but luckily you know I think people give him sort of a pass because Tremaine Edmonds has kind of been a whipping boy. And people were thinking probably Luke Keekley with that pick, you know, uh, because of Sean McDermott, right. where he's been, which is that isn't fair either. Because Luke Keekley is a, you know, is would have been a Hall of Famer if he doesn't end up being a Hall of Famer or whatever. You know, like um, his career doesn't yeah. cut, get cut short. He's one of the best linebackers in NFL history. Uh, so I think that definitely remember Dante Whitner. I mean, he wasn't a. He wasn't a bad safety, but he wasn't number eight no, overall yeah. safety. You know, like you're expecting, you right. know, um, uh, I'm trying you're to think of Ronnie Lott. Ed Reed. Ed, yeah, Ronnie Lott. Point. Ronnie yes. Lott. Exactly. Yeah. Ed Reed, whatever, like a great, <laughs> great, instead of just like, oh, he's okay. He's pretty good. He's pretty, he's above average, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yeah, that's okay. He fits in the defense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's where, that's where he's, He's been it's it, it's not his fault, but he's been a victim of that. And the other thing is, you know, with Tremaine Edmonds is he's so quiet. Like he's one of those guys that's just not doesn't appear mm-hmm. to be a vocal leader. So people don't see that personality ever. You know, ever. Like you think about Jordan Poyer, you think about we hit, we strap, we you know Right. We, yeah, we, we, yeah. We, him, Hyde, Oliver, like these are personality guys on there. So a dude like Edmonds, it's it's tough. And like and you said it too, and I, I think it's a good point to make. He has no excuses this year. Like I'm there's probably there's somebody who's gonna be listening to this who's gonna say, Ah, oh, this guy's just another person making excuses for Edmonds. He doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. And you know, maybe I am making excuses <laughs> for him. And maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But like but, but what I see is is a guy who's damn good, who is good seventy five percent of the time. And it's just that 25% where if he screws something up, it's a 40-yard game. And, and I wonder how much of that is because he was playing behind guys that weren't eating blocks as effectively as they could. 
I wonder how much of it is him misreading keys, like you said, maybe going to the wrong gap. But the the excuses are gone. Or he picks it, or he picks a gap, and then the running back is like, "Well, I'm going to go to the other one," and he can't react quick enough. Or I'm out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's and nobody there. Right. There's nobody there. I so so Tremaine Edmonds is my, and I've likened this all all off season. Is Tremaine Edmonds is my player where like I like you, I want to love you, just let me love you, player, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's always that's, one. That's there's great. There's always one every season, right? Before that, for me, it was Dawson Knox, right? Like Knox kept yes. dropping those balls, and then he really came on last season, and so he didn't. He wasn't that guy anymore. And then it's like, okay, who's the next guy? Oh, Tremaine Edmonds. Like, dude, like I know you have it in you. Like I know you're talented. Yes. Like just take that next step. Like I like. I, let me love you, Tremaine, because I know that you have that and uh and I so I likened it too like with this with this like comparison is when we got you know Stefan Diggs Josh Allen's like you know uh excuses just were eliminated they just dissolved into thin mm-hmm. air because now it's like you have that franchise wide receiver are you our franchise quarterback or are you not you know and he and he very clearly that season proved that he was um yes and so, like, this is the same for Tremaine Edmonds. This is the best, arguably but the best offensive line you've ever had in front of you. Like you mentioned, them having Starla Tulele, like, was a disservice to, you know, the line because uh, that was one of the poor contracts that uh, that McDermott signed when in his first first season as, as head coach. And I get it. I know why he did it, but it's just unfortunate because with the COVID year dragged on even longer than it should have, yes. he would have been gone, you know, yeah. even earlier. Um, but he, it just kind of, you know, lasted a lot longer. Um, Harrison Phillips like you mentioned love the guy great player just not quite what they needed um you know physically for their defensive line so but they got all those guys they replaced um both those guys i i'd argue with better players like you said like between daquan jones tim settle jr they brought back jordan phillips which was a a great player when he was here in buffalo as to do what he did um there's no excuses anymore tremaine so i'm not expecting again you can't say luke keekley like season you can't say um you know I'm trying to think Mike Singletary, whatever. He's not going to have that kind of season, but better than he's had. Yes. I think that's, I think that's a legitimate um, expectation to have. And and, and it sounds like you feel the same way. I do. Yeah. And not for nothing. If, if he doesn't have a season that's better than the seasons that he's had, he's gone. He's, he's going to be somewhere else. And quite frankly, if he does have a better season than he had, he might be gone too, because they, he, he might get a contract from somebody else that, that Buffalo can't afford mm-hmm. in there. So this, this is a really intriguing time for him. And I, I think that this year is kind of a put up or shut up because we keep as, is he only 24 years old? Is that right? He's 20. I think he's only 17 to be quite honest. I think that's what <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he's actually and gotten younger. <laughs> he's, he's like Benjamin Button. He's going in reverse. <laughs> But yeah, he, it's, he keeps on going on. And that's the thing that we keep saying. Like, he's he's a kid. He's so young and he's done so, yeah. so much and he's been asked to do so much. But now you, you got to put your money where your mouth is, guy. You got to be able to do it. And I, I, I have a sneaky feeling that I think this defense is going to change a little bit in the sense that I hope that the end events of the Kansas city game upset them enough and made them realize that there are some limitations to this bend. Don't break, uh, just contain the quarterback and let your back seven be elite. I, I hope they realize that there are some limitations to that. And I think that 
I hope that we're going to see a little bit of a change where there's a little bit more attacking. Like, do you remember a few years ago when they used to run all of these double A gap blitzes where Milano and Edmonds would be standing right over the center and they'd split the defensive tackles out a little bit. And then sometimes everybody would come. Sometimes one of them would come and sometimes neither of them would. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and yeah. they used to do this a lot. And then all of a sudden they, they stopped doing it. And there, there's a lot of this like shell looking stuff where they're like, all right, we're going to play coverage. We're going to rely on our defensive line. And the defensive line didn't really have an elite rusher. So I, I hope that they've learned from some of these things and, and that they can go back into their toolbox and that they can just tweak what they've already got because it's obviously a, an elite top level group. But I think that this group has another level that they can unlock if they just make a couple little changes to the way that they do things, I, I think. And maybe maybe not be afraid to get beat being aggressive, if if that makes sense. I think that they're they're more apt to be get beaten by a team matriculating down the field. I, I'd like to see them get a little bit more aggressive on the defensive end. And I think that'll unlock uh some of these guys uh like Oliver like Edmonds uh like like Russo uh it's like even an AJ Epinesa like just, like just let the dogs eat let mm-hmm. let them go do the things that they do naturally and and I I think that may help them to be a little less cerebral if you will yeah yeah, I agree. I agree. That'll be exciting to see. And I hope they take advantage of that this season. So, I mean, you are one of the guys that, you know, writes about all the players in the roster each and every season, 90 players, in 90 days. And you said it always ends up being what, like 98 or whatever players, because oh, some yeah. people get signed or released or whatever early. <laughs> the, dude, the worst year was like, it was either 18 or 19 where they kept shuttling people out. And I think I wrote like 108 of them. And then I sat there and I was like, all right. We're done. And then they cut four dudes and signed four guys. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, it was like the Godfather. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. So and my favorite point is like at the midway point of these, somebody will always comment and go, bro, are you just making up fake names at this point? Like, like, who is this guy? And I'll I, like, I, I don't know who he is, but I mean, you know, I'll Google it. I'll look for some some like highlight tape some mm-hmm. of the my favorites are like the small school guys where i have to sit there and go who are you and i'm <laughs> like this year they didn't update anybody's birthdays it was really weird yeah so like if you look at a lot of the the rookies i don't know maybe they've changed it since camp started no they haven't the- i looked today i was looking oh. today through because they didn't give away uh at least i didn't see they had like uh usually a train camp you can get a guide or something so you can watch the people because yeah it's hard to see some of their names on their jerseys and and i was going through them uh-huh. and i'm like who is that guy i'm like oh i'm like he's a rookie that's all they say about him though yeah rookie and then it'll be age na so i'm like uh okay so i'm google like one guy i had to find is like high school huddle tape and it said that he was class. I'm like, all right, if he's class of 2016, that means that he's probably born in 1998, which means he's 24 years old. That's what I'm going with. So I'm, I'm like flipping coins for a lot of these. I don't know if Greg, I don't think Greg Van Roten is officially on the roster. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even know who that is. On, he, Greg, Van, Greg Van Roten is, he was a guard for the Jets last year that they signed like uh, probably halfway through June. 
And I don't even think they added him to the official roster on there, which, I mean, can't really bode well for Van Roten's, <laughs> you know, possibility of, of making the club. But it, mm-hmm. it was... I, I, I'm trying to like figure out. It's like, what number is he? Uh, I, I don't know. He's not listed. So I just, I think I might've just made one up seeing if anybody paid attention to it. <laughs> so you were, one of the good things about like talking with you is that, you know, you get that we, we all kind of think about these players, but we don't really sit down to really truly think about them the way that you do. Um, are the, there have been players we mentioned dozens of players already is there a player that you'll be excited, really be looking forward to hearing about, maybe either in that sleeper realm or someone that might possibly make the 53 or, or make the practice squad that, like, Bills fans just aren't talking about? And you're kind of looking at it, you're like, you know, this guy might have a shot or this guy is a forgotten player. Like, maybe we'll see. Or or is there, or are there no players like that when, you, when, you, when you're writing? It's tough this year because I, I like... I I know I I read Matt's uh 53 man and he said the cuts this year are going to be tough and I I don't think they're going to be like I I look at the roster and like I I got to 51 real easy and and looking at who they have in terms of just the overall talent I feel like a lot of us would sit down and try to make a 53 man roster and we'd come up with the same 49 to 52 names like maybe Maybe a couple of people would say, I'm not keeping Tyler Matakevich. He's just a special teams guy. I don't, I don't need just a special teams guy. Or like, if you're me and, and you're making a Madden roster, the first guy that you release is Taiwan Jones because he's a <laughs> running back who's, who's not really a running back. Mm-hmm. But like, there, some of the dudes, it's like guys that have been here since last year. So like, I see a lot of buzz about Nick McLeod, who's a second year corner. Uh, signed last year as an undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame. Uh, really good athlete, but every report that I read on him is just that he's never flashed any sort of ball skills. Like the athleticism and the tape don't necessarily match up. But if you're looking at a secondary that has a star who is working his way back from a major injury and your top options are a former seventh-round draft pick, and a rookie first round draft pick to go cover guys outside. Maybe McLeod is a dude who who makes the roster and gets a four week audition while Tredavious White starts the season on the pup list. Uh maybe he's a guy that, that sneaks on there as that sixth corner who gets to work his way into games while White is working his way back into shape. Maybe it's Christian Benford, who was the sixth round pick out of Villanova this year, who his statistics, even like you could say, oh, it's just FCS. It's just FCS. He had seven interceptions and 18 pass breakups this last year. Like that's obscene how good that is. Um, maybe it's a big offensive lineman. They have a bunch of dudes. Uh, Tanner Owen is, is a big guy who's versatile. Derek Kerstetter is a big dude who plays a lot of different positions. Uh, there's two defensive tackles who uh, I think are getting overlooked because of all the rebuild that they did. Uh, Prince Amelia is one and CJ Brewer is another. Brewer is built kind of like Ed Oliver. He's like 6'1", 6'2", about 290 pounds, explosive athlete, but he played at Coastal Carolina. So not really big competition. So like, 
these are dudes who probably aren't going to make the roster, but if they're on the practice squad, somebody goes down, maybe they develop, uh, maybe in a couple of years, some of these guys step in and, and do something big. Uh, but I, I think that my, my big guy who I'm going to sit here and say that at the end of the year, he was the biggest addition. I mean, I've already sung about Daquan Jones enough, but that's, that's the guy who I, I really think is my 1A. But 1B is going to be Jamison Crowder, man. Like, like that guy is good. I, he was eating Buffalo up when Sam Darnold was throwing him the ball with the Jets. And I mean, the Jets are a dumpster fire full of flaming tires, and they have <laughs> been for years. So if that guy is producing there, imagine what he's going to do in the Cole Beasley role. And he's a better athlete than Beasley is. He's better after the catch. He's quicker than he is. So I, I, I think that, that a guy like Crowder, even though he may not be, you know, unsung during his NFL career, I think he may be getting overlooked a little bit here just due to the, the other additions and the other weapons that they have on offense. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought all of those up. I mean, that those, the, you kind of forget about guys like that. Like, I mean, just, you know, Christian Bedford, like we, we talked about six round. Cause was he a seventh or sixth pick six round pick? I can't remember. I, th- I, think I, I, I hope that I'm right when I said six. Se- yeah. Yeah. I, but you, I, you might've been right. Let me see. Christian. I'm looking up. Right. I'm, I'm Googling him right now. <laughs> I think he was at the end of the sixth, sixth, sixth round, 185 overall. So, so we talked about the other sixth round pick in Matt Ray's <laughs> more the than punter. we talked to the punter more than the, than the guy who could potentially be a starting corner or not a starting corner, but depth at least this year if Tredavious White starts off on the, on the pup list. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, the defensive tackles. Um, you mentioned a lot of players. What do you think about this? So I was, I was going through, um, the roster and, uh, there's a, there's a player that like I keep thinking about it, it, probably probably not big this season. I think he has a chance to make the roster. Maybe maybe even in your 53 man projection, but um Jalen Widermeyer, the the rookie tight end out of Texas A&M, only because yes. I feel like he's going to overtake Tommy Sweeney. That's not saying much. I mean Tommy Sweeney was, you know, an undrafted or a seventh round pick or whatever. Um just never never really accounted for a whole lot. Um, he could easily take that position. And you're thinking long-term after OJ Howard signed this one-year contract, here's a guy that, you know, maybe could be better than Reggie Gilliam, you know, be that, be that third tight end or the second tight end. Uh, what do you think about him and maybe his prospects uh, this season or even, even having a chance of making the roster? Yeah, I, I'm with you on him. I, I have him as the third tight end. I have him on that, that 53 man. Um, he is very limited athletically, mm. which is going to be the big, I think, thing for him. Can he get separation at this level? And if he can do that, I, I do. I, I agree with you. I, I think he's going to overtake Sweeney. Um, I don't want to say fairly easily, but I, I don't think it's going to be much of a surprise uh, if Sweeney is released here and, and Weidermeyer makes it. But I... I I'm cautiously optimistic about him because he was productive in the SEC. Uh, but he had a terrible he combine, wasn't... right? What well, he, he like an awful combine, like just really pro- weird. Yeah, how bad it like was. I looked at his I looked at his his relative athletic score, his RAS score, 
and and it was it was like epically awful. I like to the point where he was one of the worst tight ends ever tested. And that's where I wonder if it was was it just a bad day at the combine? Like, did he flunk his interview? But he's actually a strong candidate. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I I I think he's going to make it. I don't think he's going to have to do much this year uh, because of OJ Howard, because of Dawson Knox. But I think you're right, and I think I just said that he was in the SEC, but he was he was not in the SEC. He played for Texas A and M. Oh no, he was. Yeah, son of a gun. I, I, see, right. I see. I think Texas A and M is SEC. Yeah, Dude, but you, all the other for Texas. Some I want to say. That- <laughs> yeah, where are they? Did they all go somewhere else? Are they in the Big they're, Twelve? They're they're like yeah, Big Twelve or whatever, right? So all the other ones, basically like Texas, you know, Texas Tech, I think even I don't remember, but yeah, guys, TCU. Everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, that that those are really uh, I mean interesting players. I mean you. So you're not a Zach Moss fan. Do you think that he gets cut for Duke Johnson? Like when you did your 53 men roster projection, you had him, you had him sticking, right? I did, yeah, and I I held my nose because I was doing the roster as as if I were McDermott, not as if I were myself. Um, I I like Johnson as a a dynamic receiver out of the backfield. I think he gives them a better element. Um, but I Moss Moss is a I don't I don't know, and I keep I keep feeling like I'm I'm bad mouthing McDermott in a way because that like conservatism that he has drives me crazy. And I I think that it rears its head in certain positions, and running back is one of them where I think he appreciates. Moss is like three yards in a cloud of dust. And, and I, I just see a guy who runs straight ahead and gets tackled. And then it's second and eight. Mm-hmm. And then if they hand it to him again, it's third and seven. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't see him as being a guy who offers them anything different. He takes carries away from a better guy in Singletary. Um, and he's not as good a receiver as Cook is. So I, I think that he'll end up being that game day and active guy. But I, man, I, if they would be able to carve out a role, cause Johnson played with the Dolphins at the end of last year and, and was really dynamic. Like he had a couple hundred yard games. He was catching the ball. He still looked solid. And I mean, he's 29. So he's hitting that like quote unquote, that, that precipice where the running backs drop off, but he's never been the lead in a timeshare. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't have the kind of wear and tear on him that a LaShawn McCoy did, that a Sean Alexander did, that Le'Veon Bell did mm-hmm. uh, at, at this time in their career. So I, I don't necessarily think that the age is going to drive it. Uh, but I, I, I wonder if there would be a team that would trade a, a conditional draft pick, like a, a fifth rounder or something for a guy like Moss. I doubt it, but you know, you never know. I, I do. I think Moss is, like you said, I did have him sticking, and mm-hmm. and I think he's on the roster. Uh, I don't think that he, I I don't know. May, maybe I'm missing something, but I mm-hmm. I don't see him as being a guy in the backfield. Like, what are are you a Moss guy? Uh, so I like Singletary better overall. I think I think they're you know similar players. It's funny because, um. I think it was like Joe Biscali. I was listening to his podcast and he was saying, you know, he wasn't as bad as people think he was uh, because like of the way that the plays were run. Like, I mean, they're just the yards after contact weren't available or they're what is it? The, the yards before contact, like were a yes. lot less when he was in the game f- based on the plays that they were calling. Um, okay. And they changed offenses 
uh, or offensive blocking scheme when Singletary got more of the rushing um, carries because uh, they they changed their. I think I think Anthony from Cover One had mentioned that they changed their scheme for to be more of like a a, a speed based um, offensive line blocking scheme as opposed to you know a, a a power based so you know Zach Moss didn't get the benefit of that because by then he wasn't the lead back so I I I'm not a Moss guy like I'm not like oh this guy has to I I'm not ready to write him off completely um okay. I'm and, and I think that with the rookie contract like they're just going to keep him like you mentioned like with 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 the way Bean and McDermott would think they're just if there's if he's even close to Duke Johnson they're going to keep him over Duke Johnson like oh, yeah. you know and 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 like you said that the the age of Duke Johnson doesn't really scare me because of you know he's not a bruiser like you mentioned he's not the Sean Alexander of the, of the team he's just like a he's a he's a he's a guy that gets some carries and then he you know catches the ball more you know, mostly, but we also have a guy in James Cook in that, in that role. So, uh, it, I think it's going to depend on what Dorsey wants now with his offense as opposed to Dable, you know, what, what he wants. Um, but I think, I think, I think if Devin Singletary goes down in the game and he, we, we both expect him to be the lead back, I think, um, who's the one that's going to pick up and be more like Singletary? you know, off the bench that can catch the ball if need be, but can also run the ball between the tackles. Um, I, I, it's not James Cook, right? Like James Cook can't be that guy. Um, I think they're going to lean more on James Cook, but I still think it would be like Zach Moss and James Cook probably getting equal touches and carries, you know, if, if that were the case. Yeah, and that's that's another interesting point because I'm sitting here. We're, we're also, I think, both assuming that Taiwan Jones is on the team as a special teamer, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if that's the case, then you've got Singletary is active on game day, um, Cook is active on game day, Jones is active on game day, Reggie Gilliam is active on game day. Are they going to activate Moss on game day? Jeez, that's tough. You know, because because if you've got five RBs, that's really limiting you in other areas. But if you don't, and Singletary goes down then you're relying on James Cook to be your your top carry guy theoretically because your Jones doesn't really play running back he he just hasn't and and Gilliam is a fullback really so you're not going to do much of that so that it's it's really it is interesting the the roster the 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 numbers that they have to crunch to get themselves to a spot uh where where they would have who they want and where they want it, but that's it's it's an issue actually that I, I didn't even really think of until you brought that up because yeah I I would take Moss as the the more first and second down type guy uh, over Cook at this stage in his career I haven't seen enough of Cook to uh, to show me that he could do um, anything more than than be that other guy and even with Cook I mean you know we expect him to have a decent sized role but. It's not often that rookie running backs get a lot of third down work, you know, because of pass protection. Yes. And they usually don't rely on the rookies to do that just because it's not, it's not as, as big of a deal in college as it is in, in, in the professional league. So, uh, you know, just thinking out loud, I, maybe that's even more reason to, you know, keep Zach Moss on the roster and even active on game days, which is crazy. Like you said, keep five running backs active on game. Is there any chance, like, in you when you went into your fifty-three man roster projections, that you don't keep Taiwan Jones, or is that is that definitely in the cards? 
I, you know, I, that's another one where I, is he in the I bubble? My nose. And I, I don't think he's on the bubble. I think he's going to make it. I think they're going to keep all of their special teams guys. I mean, Jones was special teams captain last year. I think he's on it. Uh, Matikevich, I think he's on it. Saran Neal, I think he's on it. Oh, yeah. Um, Medicaid, Andre Smith. Andre Smith, that's yeah. Yeah, when he comes back from his suspension, I think he's still going to be around. So I, I think all of those guys, they really value that side of the ball, which I think is it's great that they do. Uh, the, the flip side of that coin is, is that it limits your, you gotta really keep your fingers crossed that guys don't get hurt. Uh, cause otherwise you got a situation where the only running plays that you can run are like jet sweeps with McKenzie and, uh, and some like toss stuff with Cook, unless you want to, you know, use him as a battering ram for, <laughs> for 10 carries to run out of game until you can activate a different running back. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I didn't like, I didn't take my 53 and try to put it down to, you know, like a game day actives. All right. Who are my 48 that I'm going to bring out there every single day? But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it would be a really interesting thing to like sit down and say, all right, who's, who's going to be the inactive players out of this? Where's the, where's the fat on the roster, if you yeah. will? And it's, yeah. us- it's usually along the lines. Like they usually have an offensive lineman that they'll, they'll have down there will be a defensive lineman that they'll have down um and then a running back and then it's kind of anybody's guess depending mm-hmm. on where some of the extras are but that's uh that, that's an interesting thought i think you you may have talked me into feeling better about keeping moss on the roster yeah yeah we'll see i mean he i could definitely see him again being trade bait though as well as one of those players but uh but yeah that, i mean that this has been uh an incredible conversation, Sean. As always, um, we talked twice last season during training camp, and then we talked in the bye week. And uh, it's always so much fun to have you on, Sean. Where, where can people find your work? Um, and if you, I, I don't know if you plug social media yet or Twitter or anything going on. Um, anything else that you'd like to plug for any of the work that you do for for the site or anywhere else? Yeah, no, my uh, my social media handle is all uh, based on, on some Section 9 high school softball, so I don't think any of you are going to want to follow that unless you're uh, you're interested in, in our exploits as a softball team. But otherwise, uh, all my work, you can just find it on, uh, on the Buffalo Rumblings website. We'll tweet it out that way. And then uh, I, I just love being with you, man. It's, it's great to talk to you. It's always fun. I, I look forward to it every year. Yeah, this is this has been. I appreciate that, and and we we hopefully. I know I know you just had a had a daughter recently. Last time we talked, you were, she was due, she was due soon, and uh, and that's exciting. How's that going, by the way? I never asked you about that. How, how Honestly, is it like two boys and a, and a girl, right? Two boys and a girl. Yeah. So she she was born two days after Thanksgiving. Oh. So we it was we were sitting there, and the joke was that I was going to like have to sit down and and write some stuff for the game and then my wife was going to go into labor but uh you know she waited a day or two until and like i i mean jesus i could i could tell you we we got to the hospital saturday morning at, at like eight fifteen, and she was born before nine o'clock like it was wow, we yeah. were like it was on the express lane we were like let's go so uh it's it's been it's been great man i mean we were we were kind of out of the baby phase because our my boys are eight and five Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's been really nice cause they, especially for my, my middle one now he gets to be big brother, whereas he was just little brother and like watching them all kind of, kind of hang together and watching my oldest like dote on her. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be very, 
it's it's good man it's it's really good i'm I'm glad you asked and i appreciate you but she's she's doing well everybody's all right so it's been it's been really good well they got to be ready because they're doting on her now but they're going to be protecting her for the rest of her life so um they oh, that's, yeah. that's it's always good to have big brothers for that right like for that's for, for for the little uh the little sister i think Oh yeah, well the the older guy is he's soft like me, and that's my <laughs> so he's he's not going to be very protective. It's my mm-hmm. my middle one is a freaking bruiser, so that's <laughs> the one who, if anybody messes with her, I'm going to have to like peel him off of them before he you know ends up getting arrested <laughs> for something. But the the thing about when it's when it's two boys and a girl too, the girl is usually tougher than the brothers because she's getting knocked around by their brothers. I've oh uh, yeah. I, I told you I coached the softball team. I have quite a few girls who have uh, – I used to coach baseball beforehand, and I, I have a couple of the girls whose brothers I had on a baseball team. And I always – the girl, the sister, is always a better athlete. Always really? better. That, oh, no my, kidding. Because they were playing with the brothers, and the brothers don't let up. So I they like I have this one girl she's going to be a senior this year and like I watch her play the outfield and and I remember watching her brothers play the outfield and I'm like Jesus I'm glad that you're here and not your brother like, my goodness it's 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 a hell of a lot better watching you run around and then it's we always make the joke and then the brothers have like laughed about it and then they're like no nah, yeah she is better than us <laughs> you know it's funny you mention that because I have I have uh, an older son and a younger daughter mm-hmm. and she's picking up on things quicker than he did at the same age. And I'm wondering if it's just because she's seeing it earlier than what he did. I mean, we would play with him, but it wasn't to the extent of like her trying to, he was never trying to imitate us. Like she tries to imitate him at an earlier age. If that makes any sense of oh, like, yeah. of like just seeing things. And re- Cause like, she's already like, he's, he's a pretty good soccer player, but like she's, what is she? She's three and he's six. And she's pretty darn good. Like, I'll be honest, like, there's times where I'm like, you might be as good as your brother sometimes, like, just with simple things like that. And she doesn't even really get what she's doing. But, um, man, that's the benefit of being the younger one, right? Being able to watch yeah. everyone before you. Yeah, you watch. I mean, you'll you'll end up throwing her out in the middle of a game, like, when he's, like, nine and she's mm-hmm. six. And she'll probably be, like, somebody will knock her over and go to apologize. And she'll get up and pfft, I'm fine. Go knock somebody else out. That's it's yeah, it's it's cool watching all the the younger ones like try to take after the older and then imitate. And then, you know, hopefully we as as parents don't uh, don't transmit two of our too many of our, you know, more negative qualities to them. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm arguing with them, I feel like I'm arguing with myself. And then I'm yeah. like, why am I do- like this? I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I think I th- I don't think you're a good parent unless you constantly question how good of a parent you are on a daily basis. It's like, wait, is that a oh, why did I do that? Did that happen to me as a kid? Like, ah, oh, man. Like, you know, it yep. just yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. I love the personal conversation. I love the Bills conversation. This is always a treat. Thank you so much for coming on, Sean. I really appreciate it. Oh, dude, anytime. Love it. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>